Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you that you sent Jesus into our mess to be our Messiah, to bring us peace and hope this season. And so, Father, as we open your word, open our hearts to receive your life-transforming truth, that it would change us into the image of your son, Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. On this final Sunday of 2019, we are concluding a series called Pardon the Interruption. We've been in this series over the last month as we've looked at several truths that First of all, that life is full of interruptions. There's small ones and there's big ones. We've looked at that the second thing is that God interrupted time and human history in the most incredible way, the most incredible interruption when his son was incarnated and Jesus came and he stepped into the flesh. God with us, Emmanuel, a with us God. He split time into two pieces, B.C. and A.D., the greatest interruption in history. And then we've looked at this, that God wants to step into our chaos right now and interrupt our lives and and step into our cynicism and our, our skepticism and our fears right now to bring us peace. Man, we could use some peace right now, especially after this past week, the the crush and the rush of the holiday season and families. And and so people are asking, where is this peace? I so desperately want it, and and I need this peace. Our lives are full of stress and worry. And, you know, as pastors, we, we talk and joke around sometimes that, man, wish, we wish we had like this, this superhuman uh, ability to read people's stress levels. You know, like on a scale of 1 to 10, like maybe you have a number hovering over your head, like a, like a sleep number, you know, like a, I, I'm a 5, I'm a 10 over here. And we could pray with you and minister a little bit better. So right now, I want you to think about your own life. Like what would you rate your stress level Today, as you sit here after this week, are you like a seven? I want you to think about the greatest source of your stress in your life right now. Maybe not just this week, but in this season where you are in your life, the stress that's, that's, that's robbing you of your peace at times, this thing, it, it, it just hold that in your, your mind there for just a moment. If I could read your mind, I would say that it's probably related to one of four categories. And if you're taking notes on your outline there, these categories that we're going to look at our source of stress today are either it's related to a place, a pace, a problem, or a person, or persons, or, or, or people, like all of them, like all the human race is stressing me out right now. Like, let's take them one at a time. Uh, a place, maybe it's your workplace, like just thinking about the building, like, oh, I'm like stressed out, I got like, like quotas and deadlines over here. Like this, the place, maybe you're a student, it's just like you're going to school, it's like, uh, tests, and um, this place is stressing me out. Like one of the most stressful places on earth is the DMV, the Department of Mo, like you're going to get your driver's license, it's like the huddled masses longing to be free, you know, like, ah, it's stressful to go in there. How about a pace? You know, I've talked to a lot of people this past week. How you doing? Busy, 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 busy. I'm like busier than a, I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off. I'm like, ugh, that's like a little violent, isn't it? Like, I just asked how you were doing. We're the pace of life, you know, maybe people are like, oh, hectic. Maybe you're a young parent and you're like a, you feel like an unpaid Uber driver. You're like just driving people around everywhere to practices and stuff. And the pace of life can sap your peace. 
about a problem in your life. Maybe you're, you've got an ongoing problem you're dealing with, or maybe you just uh, for this season you're pushing through something. You know, there's people in here in this room and, and people listening online that are, that are hurting so much in, in their bodies and pain, and it's, uh, it's hard to even concentrate sometimes because you're just hurting. Or maybe your problem is a decision that you've got weighing and you've got to make some choices coming up, or it's a relationship issue or, or something. There's just a problem that's sapping your peace, or maybe it's a, a person. Like if it's a person and they're in the room, just keep your eyes focused here. Don't be looking around. People can stress us out and, and rob our peace. And so in the days before the Messiah came back, before Jesus was born, the Jewish people were longing for peace. They were under oppression. They wanted a deliverer, and they were needing God to deliver them out of darkness. And so we're going to look real briefly in, in, in Luke chapter 1 at a character in the Bible that you've probably heard of before. His name is Zechariah. Zechariah was a priest in the temple, and his wife was Elizabeth, and, and they couldn't have children. They were getting older, and the angel came and said, you're going to have a baby, and they were elated. And this baby that they had was John the Baptist. Wow. The Lord said that John the Baptist would be a prophet in the spirit of Elijah. He was going to come, and he was going to prepare the way for the world to, to, to welcome Jesus and to call people back to repentance. And, and so here's John the Baptist. And so Zechariah, his father, was so excited. And in there you find in Luke 1, it's called Zechariah's song as he held his little baby and, he, and, he, and the Holy Spirit came over him and he, he prayed over his baby. And he was not only talking to John the Baptist, but he was talking about this coming Messiah who was going to come. Let's listen to what he says in verse 76. And he says, and you, my child, John the Baptist, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God. Isn't that great, the tender mercy of God? Like many people are confused. They think God's just an angry God. And he's, a, he's a tender and a merciful God. And he is sending his son. And here's what it says about the Messiah. By which the, the rising sun will come to us from heaven and to shine on those living in darkness. You feel like you're in a dark place right now? in your life, in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into what? The path of peace. The path of peace. He was called the Prince of Peace. And so in this verse, it says that Jesus came to, to lead us in the path of peace. That he came not to deliver us to peace. That, that, that Not that peace is a, a destination out there that, that Christ is going to lead us to, but he's saying, I've come to come in your darkness and in the shadow of death. Why? Because I'm going to be with you in the path. It's not that I'm walking to peace, that I'm walking in this right now, and Jesus is walking with me. I'm not alone. I've got somebody that with me, inside of me, that's greater than what is against me. Jesus came in, a, in an unexpected way to, to interrupt their life. And maybe this season, he wants to, to interrupt your life in a dynamic way. To bring you a peace that's not a, a someday peace, not a, a fairy tale peace, not a beauty in the beast peace, not a someday when I get married, I'll have peace, or when I pay off my student loans, I'll, I'll have peace, or when all my kids can play together in the floor with the Christmas presents without fighting peace. He said, I'm bringing you a peace that passes all understanding in your heart and in your mind. 
See, Jesus didn't come back in the day as a military defender like they thought. He'd come unexpected. He wasn't a military defender. He came in independence. He, he didn't come dressed in power. He came dressed in, in pampers as a baby. Why? So that he could be born in weakness and he could, he could die in weakness so that he could be our strength. You know, we've been looking at this series, and Jesus came to be born. Why? To, be, to bring us the most needed gift that we could ever need, and that's a pardon from God. Pardon the interruption. As I was looking at this series and studying it, it, it began to, to come clear to me that pardon the interruption. God flipped this around in my mind. He says, check this out. The interruption is the pardon. Do you see it? Jesus came to bring us the pardon that we so desperately needed in our life. And so you say, wait a minute, I don't, what's a pardon? I don't need a pardon. Think about a pardon for a second. There's different levels. You know, like if you were to go out to the coffee shop after church and you're, you're out there, it's all crowded. You like see that donut from across the room and you, you want it. And you're like trying to get through there. Boom, you're running into people. Pardon me, pardon me, pardon me. What are you saying? You're like, excuse me for bumping into you. It's like a little pardon. But then there's like kind of maybe another level of a pardon. Let's say you go, pardon me? What'd you just say about my son? Like, you better apologize or I'm going to need a pardon by the time I'm done with you. See what I'm saying? Like, you're, it's like a little, hmm. But imagine this incredible pardon, this unbelievable pardon. Let's imagine you're standing in front of a magistrate today, a judge, and you're in an orange jumpsuit because you've been caught. And you're standing there and you go, hey, judge, I... Uh, I'm, uh, I'm sorry that I, I, I killed your wife and burned your house down. Um, can I get out of here now? Can I, can I go now? And, and like everybody in the courtroom would be like, what? What, what are you thinking, dude? Like, no. But the judge, he, he gavels it, boom. And he said, wait a minute. Hang on. I am going to pardon you. I'm going to bring in my only son who survived, and I'm going to sentence him to, to death on your behalf. And he's going to take what you are, because this pardon isn't free, but I'm going to put it on him. And so now you're free to go. You see, God says every one of us has a problem in this room, a sin problem, that we were condemned to death before the Lord. And he sent his only son, and he's saying, I've come to deliver you an incredible pardon. Pardon is the interruption. How many football fans we got here in the room today? We got NFL fans from all over the country. We got Bears fans, Cowboys. The Super Bowl's coming up in a few weeks. And so what if I was up here and I was like, hey, I got the answer for this. Thing. I know the two teams that are going to make it, the Cowboys. No. Um, <laughs> and I know the final score, what it's going to turn out to be. You'd be like, wow, um, can we go to Vegas real quick? So, but then imagine this. If I was able, and the NFL kept going for years and years and centuries, and 700 years later, I could say, I know who's going to be in the bowl, in the Super Bowl, and I even know the outcome of the final score. You'd be like, wow, you're an incredible prophet beyond all prophets. That's what the book of Isaiah, what the prophet Isaiah, when he was writing 700 years before Jesus' birth, he was calling it correctly. Can you imagine how impossible, but he did, he recorded it. One of our elders this morning, he was like, he had this lens, he was telling me like he could just see into it, and we're going to spend a moment looking into one of the most famous books in the Bible, in chapters Isaiah 53, in the next few moments, to see what, what Jesus did to earn this, this pardon, to conquer the problem of our sin. Listen to Isaiah's words in Verse 6 of 53, he says, We all like sheep have gone astray. 
and each of us is turned to our own way. So he's, he's laying out the problem we have. He says we're like sheep. He's comparing us to sheep. But unfortunately in here, that's not a compliment, okay? Like if he was saying like all of us like lions, man, that'd be like, ah, like yeah, I'm powerful. Or all of us are like eagles, you know, like majestic, ah, soaring. But he said you're like sheep. See, sheep aren't the the most, they're not the sharpest knife in the drawer. You know, like, you can train a lot of other animals to do stuff, like a dog. You like tricks and, like, cool, they're pretty smart, like an elephant even. But an, a sheep, you know, like, they're just, uh. Like, sheep are, are known for, like, three main characteristics. And if you're taking notes on your, your outline, these three characteristics that they're known by, or that, that sheep are weak, and they're witless, and they're wayward. Weak, witless, and wayward. First of all, they're, they're weak. Sheep's out in the pasture. Here comes a wolf or a coyote or a lion. Yeah. Like a sheep, they don't have like a defense mechanism, like some fangs to go, ah, and like scare something off. They don't have poisonous quills like to shoot at something or, or wings to just soar and fly away from there. Like they don't even have like to go, hey, you sheep go that way, I'll go this way, and at least some of us are going to live. They just like huddle up into like this clump and like, come and get us. You're like, here I am. They're weak, and he calls us weak. It's not a compliment. Next, they're, they're witless. Sheep don't really think for themselves. Think about it. Like if one's going this way, like all these other ones are, hey, come. There was a story that came out several years ago in 2005 of this over in Turkey. There was a bunch of sheep, 1,500 sheep over there that plunged off of a cliff like a couple of sheep started going toward a cliff and they went and like the rest of the sheep just like behind them and like here's the the bad news is that 400 of them died because they just fell over the good news is that the other ones that came behind them landed on the other ones like a pillow like and it like cushioned their fall and they they survived but it was it was like whoa a tragedy like they just like you would think like after the first one, the second one goes over the third one. Like when the fifth one gets there, he'd be going like, "This is a bad idea." <laughs> I know that was okay. <laughs> they just kept going. They're witless. They in, in, just like we we get off of the path and we just follow the crowd so many times, don't we? They're wayward. Sheep are wayward. Like, where are you going, little sheep? I'm going over here looking for fulfillment in my life. Oh, that hurt. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to try this now, okay? I'm going to go over here. And we just wander, and sheep are like wayward. They just go, and we get off the path, and we, we turn to our own way, and we, we walk away from what God has called us to do, and we need a lot of help. That's the, the problem, that we get away from what God's called us to do, don't we? Like wandering sheep. Let's look how God remedies this situation as we go on in verse 6. He's talking about Jesus here, and he says, the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all, the, the sin, our problem. He put it on him, and remember, this is 700 years before Christ. He's writing this. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Have you ever been rejected or hurt or cast aside or misunderstood? Jesus, he understands. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Like if you're at work and somebody accuses you of something wrong, like that you didn't do, like you stole, you're like, no way, 
Like you're protesting, like, uh-uh. But Jesus had said he didn't protest, he was silent. He went on and he clenched his jaw and he set his face toward the cross on our behalf to bring us peace. Listen to, as we go on, verse 3, it says, He was despised and rejected by man, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. So we, we, we saw Christ and we were almost felt sorry for him, like God's taken like, out for his wrongs. But he was taking our iniquities and he was paying for them. Listen, it says, but he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. And let's read this next phrase together as we finish the verse as a church. The punishment that brought us what peace was on him and by his wounds we, we are healed. Peace. That's what Jesus did for you and what he did for me. Our suffering servant was born in a manger, but he didn't stay there. He, he grew up and he set his eyes toward the cross, not for his iniquities, but for ours. Can you imagine the, the physical pain and suffering that Jesus went through? You know, it wasn't a quick execution, like if you just you know, chop off somebody's head, it's done. But like he went through, like they beat him on his back and just tore the skin and then they threw salt water on there to just to stun him back to life. And then they, they spit on him and pulled his beard. And he carried a cross agonizingly, a beam up the hill to Golgotha and then he was nailed there. And it was long and it was drawn out and it was painful for our sins. And then, but the most painful part of the whole ordeal was not the physical but it was the spiritual and the emotional as he took on the sin of all of us in the world all through time and history all upon him at one time to the point where it was so dark that the, his father couldn't even look at him anymore and God turned his face and he says father why have you forsaken me can you imagine the the, the abandonment that he was there alone bearing our sins on him why to bring us peace you see, people look at the manger at Christmas time, a lot of people, and they say, well, what does this baby have to do with me? Like, what is, why, what, why should I follow this, this baby? Like, what's up with this? Why should I dedicate my life to, to, to Jesus? See, you got to understand that he didn't stay there. He grew up, and he went into the magnitude of what he went through for you and me. When you understand that, you don't just walk around casually going, yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian, you know? <laughs> And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just flippantly take the grace of God. You, you, you look in your mind and you say, God, I want to live for you, not out of, uh, out of obligation, but out of my great motivation of my love for you. I want to live my life for you. The truth is, you know what, we don't always get that right, do we? We mess it up. We're like the sheep. We start wandering off over here and we're children of God, but we're simultaneously a saint and a sinner. And we mess it up and we're like these sheep at Luke 15 says, Jesus left the 99 other sheep, and he came out looking for that one, and he said, hey, come with me. In his tender mercy, he brought us back into the flock, and he says that to you today. Maybe you've been wandering off out there somewhere. Whatever. Jesus says, come back. You are forgiven. See, 700 years before Christ, Isaiah is, is seeing what Christ would go through for us. Listen to what the Bible says about this in verse 9, it says, He was assigned, Jesus, a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. How would 
Isaiah know that he was going to be laid in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, a rich man, but he saw it going on. It says, after he had suffered Jesus, he will see the light of life and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. Hmm. What other deity would, would do that? What sets Christianity apart from every other world religion out there? Think about it for a second. First of all, it's the bloody execution of an innocent man. But he wasn't any man. It was our God, our Savior. He sent his son into the world to be born of a virgin. And then he's on the cross laying down his own life out of his great love. And so we have a peace that, that, that came to earth, but it was not of earth. He was pierced for, for our rebellion and broken so we would be made whole. That's why it's called the gospel, the good news. The good news has come to you and me. I don't know about you, church, but I don't want a plastic piece, a piece that is given by people because then people can take that piece away. I don't want a piece that depends upon circumstances because circumstances change. And, and I don't want a, a piece that, that is simply a, but because I got a promotion at work. I want a, a piece that the world didn't give and the world can't take it away. I don't know about you. But Jesus wants to interrupt your stress and your chaos to bring you a peace in this life, this season, but also a peace in the next. He's, he's calling you, church. He's calling you in this next year, in 2020, to go deeper. He says, I, I, I want you to go with me. And so how are you going to respond? I want you to imagine all over this room, if we were to say, God, I'm going to step up, and I want to I be that light for you in the community, in my school. I'm going to respond to you, and I want you to, to change my life. And it's not just an add-on thing in my life, this, this commitment to you, God, but it's my whole life. Every day, I'm going to walk with you, God. And, and so I want to leave you today with just a couple of calls to action as we wrap this, this service up today. And the first one is this, that as the Spirit of God is stirring in your heart, and drawing you is to welcome the interruption of Jesus. There's some people that are still stiff-arming Christ like this, like, hey, stay back here. But he's calling you to, to lower your skepticism and your fear and to embrace the Savior. Listen to the second one is to surrender your greatest weakness to him. Remember at the beginning, I asked you, like, what is that thing that is stressing you out the most? He's saying, I want you to surrender that, that problem, that person, that, that thing to me this year. And I'm going to fill your life with a peace that you can't even understand. Even though you're in it, I'm going to walk with you in this path of peace. Surrender. You know, like in our current world, when you hear the word surrender, you think, I'm surrendering myself into captivity to someone else. But the Surrender, he's talking about as he's saying, surrender into my freedom that I want to deliver you from that thing that's held you back. I want to deliver you into peace. And finally, the last one is this, receive the Prince of Peace. Maybe God's been stirring in your heart and convicting you, and he has a great gift for you today. You know, over this past week, we all got some cool gifts. Maybe you got a gift card to like Texas Roadhouse. Or maybe you got a, a brand new iPhone, you're like, ooh, this is awesome. Or that, you know, your Lexus commercial with the big red bow on there, boom. Maybe you got a new car. But God says, I got a gift. It's so expensive, you can't even afford it. 
You can't do anything to earn it. I've got this free gift. It's my grace, and it's right here for you. Will you receive it? Will you take it, hold of it? Will you receive the gift of peace? Oh, church, I'm no prophet, and I'm not even, I'm not the son of a prophet, but I've come to declare to you today that unto you is born in the place of your greatest need, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, our everlasting Father, and he is your Prince of Peace. Come for you. To God be the glory. Amen.